obtain mercy in our time of need. And God, I just want to thank you on today for giving all of us new mercies, God. You have given us new mercies every day. So we thank you. We honor you for that, God. And God, I want to thank you on this morning for the blood of Jesus. God, the blood of Jesus never, ever, ever loses its power. So, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over every individual in this place on today. And I come against every mind-boggling spirit in this place, every tormenting spirit that has come to torment our minds, that have come to oppress us. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you have no right in Jesus' name. So I command you to go right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father God, that you didn't give us the spirit of fear, but the power of love and of a sound mind. So I bind the foul spirit of fear right now in the name of Jesus, and I command you to go in Jesus' name. And I speak peace. Be still in Jesus' name. And I thank you for your peace this morning, God. And God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Be our teacher, be our helper. Lead us, guide us into all truth. Reveal unto us today and bring back to our remembrance the word that you have spoken unto us. And I thank you, Father God, that as I open my mouth, the word will become fire. And it shall devour everything that's going on around us. And I thank you that the word shall become a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces on today, God. And the word shall be a two-edged sword in this place on today in Jesus' name. And no evil shall befall us today. Neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling. For you have given your angels charge over us to keep us and guard us in all of your ways and all of our ways in Jesus name and father I thank you that is no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me in Jesus name amen. amen before we go into the word today I tried to send out as many texts as I could last week on what the spirit of the Lord had given me in prayer the Lord reminded me he said the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just it's stored up for the righteous. So he said, Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry, receive your wealth transfer. So I'm telling you on today that you need to receive your wealth transfer. Amen. We give God glory. See, y'all don't act like you already have it. Hallelujah. You don't act like it's already yours. Hallelujah. So we honor God with what he has already given us. It's already ours. It already belonged to us. Come on, you should be receiving it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We honor God. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you, God is doing a great work here at Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry. And he's doing that great work because we know him. And when you know him, God will do exploits in your life. Amen. So we thank God. On today, I want to go back into where we've been for the past two Sundays. Go with me back to St. John, the 11th chapter. And we're going to stay here until God tell me to move. Amen. Amen. Because I believe that there are some things that need to be taken off that some of us continually hold on to that we shouldn't be holding on to. And St. John, the 11th chapter... I'm going to go um, 
back to 39, and I'm going to keep moving forward. Seems like I keep backing up a little bit more and more, huh? St. John 11:39. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stink, for he hath been dead for four days. Jesus said unto her, Say I not unto thee, that if thou would believe, thou should see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. I want to talk about grave clothes again. And we've been talking about grave clothes, and we know grave clothes is what you get buried in. Amen. And the purpose of this teaching is to let us know that just because we're born again, just because we have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it does not mean that um, we still don't have some attachments. Some of us still have things attached to us that we should be able to let go of. But if you don't know what you have attached to you, then you're unable to let go of it. And this is why God has given us the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will reveal unto us, he will make known to us what we're holding on to. Now we talked about recurring patterns. If you have recurring patterns that keep popping up over and over again, things that um, you know that be before you day by day, then you know that that's a stronghold because a stronghold is an area in your life that you kept in bondage due to your way of thinking. The Bible said, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he, so does he become. Your thinking affects how you live. Your thinking affects how you live. Your thinking control your body. Your body go on what you think. What you're thinking about, that's what your body is going to begin to react to. This is why your thinking has to line up with the will and the word of God. We as saints of God, we as sons and daughters of God, we have to be spiritual minded. To be spiritual minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. The enemy wants us to be carnally minded. That's fleshly minded. That's thinking of things outside of the will and outside of the word of God. So we see here that Jesus, it said that he loved um, Lazarus and it took him four days. It was four days before Jesus came. But Jesus gave them some assurity that it didn't matter how long it was. They just needed to believe and know that he was the resurrection and the life. So we see that Jesus told them to move the stone, that he was in a cave. And we know a cave is dark. So death represents darkness sin represent darkness so he was in that cave and jesus said you got to move the stone we talked about there can be things in our lives that's blocking us from coming forth so it has to take the word of god in order for the stones in our lives to be removed those stones could represent a hardened heart where you're not receiving the word of God the way you need to because your heart is so hardened. 
And it means that it's callous. It's more sensitive to the things of the world than the things of God. So Jesus said, move away the stone. He knew those stones had to be moved. Who spoke? The word of God spoke. So the word will bring life to you. The word will move things in your life that need to be moved so you can come forth. So after he moved away the stone, told him to move away the stone, we know what he did. He called Lazarus forth. Lazarus came came forth. So we know that that represents our salvation. Most of us, all of us, was dead in sin. But we came alive through Jesus Christ. Our newness of life is in Jesus Christ. We were buried with him into death. But we rose in the newness of life. And this is what he wants us to have, a newness of life. So when we were buried, that old man, that part of us that controlled us, that dominated us, that was telling us, driving us to sin, that old man died. It is dead. It has no more control over us. So we rose with the newness of life. And this is what Lazarus did. He rose with the newness of life. He came forth when Jesus called him forth, when the word called him forth. But the problem was when he came forth, he was bound. And Jesus said, you got to loose him and let him go. He had on grave clothes. The majority of us in here, we're saved. And some of us really don't even know we have been saved. You know, we wonder sometimes, am I really saved? You should really know that you are saved. And you didn't save yourself. It was because of the blood of Jesus that you're saved, that you're redeemed, that you're reconciled, that you're justified, that you're sanctified. It was nothing you did but accept what Jesus done because we couldn't save ourselves. So he had the the grave clothes on. He had a napkin over his face. That means he was blind. He could not see. That's why the Bible said the blind lead the blind. We will all fall. Both of us will fall in the ditch. So he had to take the grave clothes from the top to the bottom off of him so he can be loose and he can be free. Most Christians say, you know, I'm saved and that's it. It's more than just that. Now, you are saved. You are born again. You have received a new spirit on the inside of you because your spirit became dead because of the fall of Adam, because of Adam's disobedience, the life of God left Adam and Eve, and they had to leave out of the Garden of Eden, in which we know all of that, so their spirit was dead. But when you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, he came in and dwelled in your spirit, and your spirit became regenerated. It became new. It was not dead anymore. It became alive, alive unto God. So that's what made you in right standing with God. And all of us received that when we were born again. But the problem is we're still wearing those grave clothes. What we have to understand is before we got saved, all of us was in some things that we should not have been in. All of us was doing some things that we should not have done. We were subject to the God of this world, to the prince of this power of air. He was our God. That's whom we serve. And no matter how long you served him, you served him. So the things that you did, you were subject to those things. And even though that old man that that drove you to sin is dead and done away with, it was some things that was left behind that need to be dealt with. And the only way those things can be dealt with is through the word of God. Now we talked about going back through Adam and Eve and how, you know, sin was, uh, they lived in a fallen world and they end up having Cain and um, Abel. But I'm going to back up a little bit further. Remember when God told them not to eat from the tree. 
That was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Only thing God wanted them to know was good. He didn't want them to know anything about evil because everything God created was good. And then the Bible said it was very good. So there was no evil. They were not prone to evil. But then when the enemy came in, we know that he used a part of God's creation. Look at your neighbor and say, don't think you can't be used by Satan. Say, matter of fact, you probably was used this morning. See, Satan will use what God has created to bring him glory. And you are part of God's creation. So he used the serpent, and the Bible said the serpent was very cunning. He was crafty. He was deceitful. And when he used that serpent, Eve began to have conversation with the serpent. And then he began to say, have God really said. Doesn't that happen in our lives that when God give us a word, we're here. Uh, The enemy say, did God really say that? Is that God really speaking unto you? So that's what the enemy want. He want to turn the word around. He want to twist the word so you cannot receive life from the word of God. He will twist the word to get what he want because he want to be glorified. So y'all know what happened. Eve ate from that tree. And when she ate from the tree, she gave that part of that fruit to her husband. So we see what happened. Their eyes were open before they were not ashamed. They were naked in that garden and they were not ashamed because they were husband and wife. So their nakedness did not make them ashamed. And as soon as they ate from that tree, they realized that they were naked. And when they realized they were naked, they began to take fig leaves and try to cover themselves. And this is what the enemy wants. He wants us to try to fix ourselves. And he knows we can't do it. But he wants us to spend most of our time trying to fix something that only God can fix. So see, this is why you get so worn out when you're having situations in your life. You're trying to cover it up yourself. Uh huh. You're trying to cover it up so nobody won't see it. You're trying to do things that you think nobody knows. But I'm here to tell you, God already knows. Because when they tried to cover their sin up, to try to cover their nakedness up, they became ashamed. They became guilty. So nakedness brings shame. It brings guilt. Also, through all of that was fear. They had fear. They had condemnation. And then through it all, they began to hide from God. Don't you know that when we do something, we'll hide? We try to hide from God. We'll cover ourselves. We try to hide it thinking nobody don't know and God knows all along. How did God know? Because he's with you. He said, I'll never, ever leave you nor forsake you. He saw you when you took the money and slipped it in your pocket when you know it wasn't yours. You'll say, sanctify holy than thou self. You put it in your pocket and you thought about all the things that you can do with what you found and you know it didn't belong to you. But now you're going to tell somebody it was a blessing. Look how God blessed me. It wasn't yours. See, that ain't the way the spirit of the Lord react. When you find something that don't belong to you, the heart of God that's in you want to find out who it belonged to before you begin to claim it as your own. Okay. Nobody know, huh? Nobody know. Nobody never picked up no money. Say, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That belongs to me. That was a blessing. Nobody never done that, right? But people try to hide things. They try to cover things up because those are things that they don't want to let be known. They don't want it to be revealed. So we know what happened here. God began to tell them, who told you? That you were naked. So God said, I know you already ate from that tree. So y'all know what happened. They got 
thrown out of the garden because God did not want them to um, have life, eternal life, and be in sin in a fallen nature. So they got thrown out of the garden. We see that they had two sons, Adam, Abel and Cain, and we see that Abel and Cain had to be taught by their parents. They had to be taught by the parents because both of them was bringing an offering unto the Lord. And Cain's offering got rejected. God looked down on his offering. His offering was not uh, favorable as Abel's offering. So Cain got upset because God looked down on his offering. He became very angry. And God saw the countenance of his face and saw how he looked. And God began to encourage Cain. He said, don't you know if you do good, you're going to be accepted. So God let him know when you do good, you're going to be accepted. That means God is saying, when you follow my commands, when you follow what I will have you to do, you know you accept it. But when you do evil, guess what? We do get rejected because of evil. Amen? So we see he got mad because he was not accepted. And God says, sin lies at the door and wait on you. Sin is always waiting. The enemy is always waiting for an opportunity, y'all, to pounce on us, to disencourage us, to do things that he know that would bring us down to our lowest state. So we see how all of this panned out. He ended up killing his brother, right? So this is what happens through anger, through jealousy, through being rejected. And then we go on and God saw how corrupt the earth was. Every imagination of men's heart was evil continually. That's all they thought was evil. But God brought another generation through. And through that generation, through Seth's generation, because Eve ended up having another son, which was Seth. And through Seth, there came Noah. And Noah was righteous in the eyes of God. And Noah lived in a fallen world that was so corrupt, so evil. They just thought evil and wickedness all the time. But Noah kept focused on the Lord. So you cannot tell me, even when you are a sinner, you don't know right from wrong. Because you do, because the commandments are in your heart. Don't let nobody fool you. People know not to steal. They know not to murder. They know not to fornicate. They know not to commit adultery. You know all of this because it's right there. It is written on your heart. So Noah knew all of these things, but he chose to serve God. So God found him righteous. God told him to build an ark, told him who needed to go into the ark. After he did everything God told him to do, the door was shut. It was Noah. It was his sons, it was his son's wives, and it was his wives, and it was the animals. But guess what happened in this? And I know y'all remember from last Sunday. When the door was shut, it was sealed. Nobody else could come in. This is how it is with your spirit. Being that the Holy Spirit has come in and connected you with your spirit, with the Holy Spirit, we become one in the spirit, and it is sealed Until the day of redemption. That's the part of you the enemy can't touch. That's the part of you that the enemy can't mess with is your spirit. So after he shut them up, the door was shut. They come off that ark when um, it stopped raining and everything. And this is the part I want you to get. They were, were, um, I say redeemed. I'll just say that. Through Noah, you know, him being righteous. But when they come off, God was creating, what, a new heaven and a new earth. All the corruption was gone. But check this. When they come out, Noah did him a little vineyard. Noah got drunk. Now listen at this. Noah was so righteous, right? 
But guess what? Noah still has some grave clothes on. That's the point I'm going to. God found him righteous, but it was still something in Noah's life. He got drunk and he was butt naked. Then here come his kids. They go, that naked, naked represent what? Shame. It represent guilt. So his son Ham came in and saw his nakedness, went out and reported his nakedness to the other two um, children, to the other two sons. They walked backwards and they covered their father up. They did not want to show disrespect. So what happened? When Noah woke up out of his drunkenness, he knew what Ham had done to him. So guess what he did? He pronounced a curse on Ham's son. He said, because of what you done to me and you're my son, then your son is going to be cursed because of what you done. Where am I going? Where am I going? I'm going into the generations. I'm going into the womb. Throughout the generations, whatever your parents did, it goes through the generation. I want y'all to catch this. Now, we know that Jesus have done away with the curse. Amen? We're no longer up under curse. All of us know that. But the stain of that curse, the things that you have picked up through the curse, through the family, the habits. Oh, first of all, in the womb, we deal with a mother carrying a child in the womb. Before that mother even had that child in the womb or the child was ever thought about, that mother probably was going through some things in her life through the generation, some things that she was not aware of. So when that baby became in her womb, that baby was feeling everything she was feeling. So parents, we have to be so careful when it comes to our children. When you are not pregnant with a child, whatever you're going through before you get pregnant, that child is going to feel it while you're pregnant because that child is feeding off you. If you're going through rejection in your life, and that's what I'm going to mainly talk about today because that's a big thing in the body of Christ, being rejected. We go back to Cain. Cain was rejected. Being that Cain was rejected, he became angry. That anger led to murder. And see, rejection, people don't look at it as a big thing, but it is a big thing. Because rejection want to say, hear me, see me, be attached to me. And if rejection don't get what rejection want, it's going to make somebody else look bad so that person can stand out. So in the womb, when a child is in the womb, that's when that child is getting nurtured. That's when that child's supposed to find the comfort and the love and the security and the protection. But if a mother is being rambunctious and she's out there doing her thing, she's partying, she's drinking, she's cursing, she's loose, she's doing everything that she want to do, that baby is feeling everything from that mother. Sometimes we wonder, why is my child like this? Why is my child so rebellious? Why is my child doing this? I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm filled. But you got to understand why you was carrying that child. It was things that you were doing that you should not have been doing that you chose to do. And you're thinking it was not affecting that child. How many know women, when you go to your doctor's appointments, they ask you about what you're doing Concerning the child, you know, are you eating right? They ask you all of these questions because this is a part of that child's growth. So we have to understand that whatever we've been into, parents, and I need to tell you to wake up. The enemy want to put you to sleep. Why is it when you're getting taught, you fall asleep? See, the enemy don't want you to know this because this is why some of y'all are held captive. Because of your thinking and you wondering why you thinking this way. See, it could go back through your mother. 
to some of the things that your mother was thinking about or some of the things that your mother did and it affect you here today because you're saying, why am I acting this way? Why am I feeling this way? I know I'm loved the way I need to be loved, but I feel down and out. I feel misused. I feel abused because if that mother carried you in abuse, if that mother carried you in a way that was the wrong way, that baby's going to be affected by that way. We looked into the word of God when we saw through David, y'all know David and Bathsheba, we're going back there, and how David, he had to have Bathsheba. He didn't have to have her, but he wanted her. He had enough wives, but he wanted another one. He wanted another woman in his bed. Why is that? You're never satisfied with what you got. You got to taste and see all the time. The Bible tell you to taste and see how good the word is, not tasting and seeing nothing else. But it's like we got to taste and see I didn't have enough of this one. I believe I'm going to get some of that one. This is what the world is full of, people. Everybody want to have a taste of something. Then you realize it wasn't like you thought. Or you might think you got the right one. And then the husband you married to can't fulfill that fantasy. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We getting somewhere. See, you got to know the root of these things so you can get through these things. And some people say that don't need to be talked about in the body of Christ. That's why the body of Christ is tore up because everybody is just falling all over the place. Want to fall out, want to have an experience, but you don't want to get delivered from your mess. You don't want nobody to know what you done swept up under the rug. You don't want it to come out so you fall out like you get being delivered. Get up. You ain't delivered yet. You still got stuff in your life that need to be dealt with, and you don't want nobody to mess with it so you fall out. That's why when I hear the spirit, I say, get them up. Don't be falling out playing. Come on, it's time for true deliverance in the body of Christ. It's time to quit hiding your stuff. It's time to be real for Jesus. It's time for people to be healed, delivered, and set free. And you can't set nobody free if you ain't free yourself. You can't walk in the fullness of God until you're totally free. I don't care how saved you are. Yes, he has freed you, but some of us are still in bondage to things. And then we try to act like we're not. Come on, we're going to tell the truth, shame the devil. Come on, look at the people in the Bible, the things that they were going through. Look at David. The Bible says that David had a heart after God. He had a heart after God, but yet David slept with Bathsheba. And with him sleeping with Bathsheba, look what happened. There end up being murder. There end up being lies. So look what happened through David's bloodline, y'all. David got what he wanted, didn't he? But look at the consequences that he had to go through from what he did. And God came to David through Nathan. David was acting like everything was okay because guess what? He married Bathsheba, so it was okay because I married her. No, it wasn't okay because you swept that up under the rug like you hadn't done anything. But when God brought a prophet unto David and used a parable, that's when David realized I ain't sinned against nobody but God. See, that's what we got to realize. We look at people more than we look at God. Why you worry about what people see? You should be worrying about what God see and people won't be in your mess. If we think about who we are now that we're in Christ, we'll turn away from what we've done. We won't keep going after what we used to do or how we used to do it when we know who we are. So David, he told him that it was going to go through his house. 
because of what he done. And the very child he had by Bathsheba would die. And that child died. So we see through Amnon. Amnon loved his sister Tamar, which was Absalom's full sister, which was Amnon's half-sister. But he had to have her. He had thoughts about having his own sister. Look at the incest that was in the family. He had thoughts about having her. And what he did, he had a friend. And the friend told him how to get his sister play like he was sick. He was so vexed and so troubled because he wanted to have his own sister. Y'all, this is in the world today. This is happening amongst us today. You have incest in families. Did you hear the report on how the daddy was sleeping with his own daughter, had a child by the own? It's incest. People are wondering, how are these? How is this stuff happening? Because we're living in a fallen world. And if these things are not taught in the body of Christ to let people know what's going on, guess what end up happening? People live any kind of way. And they think it's okay because they have adjusted to it. And they try to justify why I'm sleeping with my daughter while I'm sleeping with my son or my cousins or whoever they think it's okay oh it's down it's way down the line now they try to follow it through way down the line they justify and it goes back to the garden of Eden look at how they justify the woman you gave me the serpent everybody was justifying but the old serpent didn't say nothing he got what he wanted the enemy got what he wanted. He don't have to say nothing because he know he's doomed for destruction. Y'all don't get it. He don't have to say nothing. And we got to understand rejection started with Lucifer. Lucifer wanted to be like God. Lucifer was putting himself above God. Guess what? He got thrown down. He got rejected. He got thrown out of heaven. So he said, you know what? I'm going to get into the world and I'm going to fill them with rejection. I'm going to have them thinking that this is how they have to be accepted. So I'm going to turn them away from God through rejection. Rejection is a powerful tool, y'all, that the enemy used. So we see in the word of God how it went through David's family and how Amnon, he ended up raping his own sister. And then after he had Tamar, he didn't want her no more, right? So after he did that, she was a virgin. Guess what? She felt unwanted. Reject. Because she lost, you know, her virginity, so she felt unwanted. And her other brother, which was Absalom, he knew what happened. He saw David wasn't doing nothing. This happens today. Daddies know what happened to their daughters. Mothers know what happened to their daughters through their brother or through the daddy's sister, however it may be. It gets swept up under the rug and children are, and parents are wondering why, why my child is acting dysfunctional. Why my child act like they can't get along? Why my child is acting in rage and in anger? It is because Absalom, he began to act in rage, but he was a sneaky rage. Y'all better hear what I'm saying. You have some murder that's so sneaky, that's so quiet, that you will miss it for yourself. Because Absalom carried on like nothing was going on. and But he was hurt deep. He had on some clothes, y'all. He had on some anger clothes. And that anger turned into rage, and then it was turning into murder. He already had plotted out what he was going to do, but he did it silently. So when he ended up killing Amnon... He ended up killing him, but that wasn't the end of it. Now he's going after the kingdom. 
And that's what the enemy does. Children will go after the parents when they feel like the parents didn't support them or take up for them the way they need to. So these are things that happen in families, and some of us are still wearing these clothes. We have resentment when it comes to our parents because we're saying, how could you allow this to happen to me? How can you allow this to be done to me? And you build up the bitterness. You build up the anger. But guess what? Sometimes the parents don't get it. Other people get it from you because you ain't ready to hit your parent yet. But you get it from other. You, you use that on other people. And people are wondering, why are you acting so angry towards me? Why are you doing me this way? And you actually don't really know yourself. Only thing you know is you got to hurt there. And things begin to come out. You are aware of how you sound, but you're thinking it's okay because you're hurting so bad. So we see what happened in David's bloodline. We see what went through that family. So this is why I say things go through the family, and sometimes we can wear those things, being part of that family. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit to show us what we are wearing. We have to say, Holy Spirit, search me. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything in me that I don't see. But you know what? I believe over half of us know what's there. We do. And we try to find an excuse of why we said what we said, why we acted the way we acted. We try to find excuses just like going back to the Garden of Eden. I curse you out because you'll save self. You're telling them why you cursed them out. You shouldn't have cursed them out anyway. See, you should have turned the other cheek. But then God began to show me this, and I said, I want to deal with rejection today because it's so prevalent in the body of Christ. It's a grave clove of rejection, and it ends up being a stronghold, and those clothes are so tightly fit, fitted on us, we become so used to that, we think it's normal. Now, go with me back to Genesis 29, and we talked about this before, and I want to tell you, teaching is so good. Because when you get taught well, you'll be able to recognize things in your life and you'll be willing to say, God, help me to get rid of what I'm doing. Amen. Amen. So we see we're talking about Jacob and we know Jacob was part of it It was Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. And Jacob came through Isaac and we know what happened with Jacob. There was a fight going on in the womb dealing with um, Jacob. And we know that Jacob wanted to be the first one to come out first. He wanted to have the blessing, right? So what he did, y'all know, he took the blessing deceitfully. So there was some deceit there. Look at the fallen world. In the womb, there was a fight. That boy was fighting in the womb. He was setting stuff up in the womb. It come through the gen- Y'all don't hear me. It, twins in the womb fighting who's going to be first in the womb. A fight going on in the womb. Can you believe that? Any old way. So we know Jacob took the blessing and his mom helped him do it. But that that was just the way that God had purposed things, but it was still how he done what he done, right? So we know what had to happen. So she sent him away to her brother's house. Y'all, that's a toe up incest right there. But anyway, back then they wasn't up under the law, up under all of this. They were keeping it in the family, right? So she sent him to her brother's house, and when he got to the brother's house, he met who? Um, Was it Rebecca? He met Rebecca, and when he, no, Rachel. See, y'all agreeing with me. He met Rachel, and this is what the Lord began to show me. Laban, which was Rebecca's brother, had two daughters. Now listen what they said about the daughters in um, Genesis 29, 17. 
Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, when we look up that word tender-eyed, it means her eyes were dull, they were weak, and when you look it up in the um, Hebrew, it said that there was a defect. So what they're trying to say is Leah wasn't attractive. She was not attractive. So Jacob, he chose um, Rachel over Leah. So think about it. Now, Leah probably already had some insecurity because of her looks before Rachel was even chosen by Jacob. See, I believe that there was a problem with Leah even before all of this happened because it says she was tender at it. Can you imagine if you're two sisters and you're thinking your sister looked better than you look? So there's rejection already there with Leah. So she watched Jacob tell her dad, I'll work for you for Rachel. So she got rejected right then and there. So rejection was there. She was unwanted. She was unneeded. And it was just looking like nobody cared. Nobody wanted her. So Jacob worked those seven years, y'all, for Rachel. But then when it was time for him to have Rachel, Laban, the father, put Leah in the place of Rachel. Now, when this man came in unto Leah to be his wife, that means that they end up coming together in a sexual way, and they became one. They did not become one until they were married. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Amen. It's all over the Bible. They did not become one until they was married. So women, don't let a man tell you, you know, let me show you how much I love you. This is the way I show you by us coming together. That's a lie from the pit of hell. And some women fall for that lie because they want to feel needed. They want to feel loved. So Leah, she ended up laying with Jacob. But Jacob recognized this is not Rachel. Can you imagine how Leah felt when Jacob said, you have deceived me. You end up giving me Leah. I didn't ask for Leah. I want Rachel. So look how all the pain and all the hurt was coming um, to Leah because she was rejected even the more. You know, she was already feeling rejected because her sister looked better than she did. Then the dad ended up giving her to a man that didn't want her. So look how strong that rejection was for Leah. Now, this is what I'm saying to you. Some of us may feel like, even in a family, that we're rejected because of our looks. That somebody look at the other sister, the other brother, they look better than me. Why I wasn't lighter or why I wasn't this color. Why? Come on, rejection is right there. Because then you have to baby this one more than you baby that one because that one is feeling a certain way because of that sibling. Come on, we done been through this. Or you feel like the ugly duckling. Everybody's getting more attention than me. That's rejection. If you're always talking about how mom and dad treat this one better than they treat me, that's rejection. The child is crying out, parents. They're telling you how they feel. And that's when you got to jump on it with the word of God. Come on, we always have rejection somewhere in a family. It's there. How do I know it's there? Because Satan was a reject. And he's using rejection. And rejection is in this fallen world. So we see how she was rejected. And we see what happened during her rejection. We see that um, Rachel, this is what began to happen. God saw that Leah was hated. That means he saw that Leah was unloved. Can you imagine? And then this Jacob had a nerve to say he will work another seven years. How much rejection can a woman take? He had a wife. 
He had Leah. He already just disowned Leah. But then he said, another seven years. I worked for Rachel because he wanted Rachel so bad. Can you imagine how crushed Leah was going through that whole experience? So God recognized. I'm here to tell you, you may have hurt that's so deep. And you're thinking nobody recognized. Mother, father don't recognize. Sister, brothers don't recognize. Friends, family don't recognize. But I'm here to tell you, God knows your pain. God knows what you go through in a run of a day. He know how you've been rejected. So the Bible said he knew that she was hated, unloved. So, so she began to have children. Now check this out, women. This is what women do. To get the love of a man, they get pregnant intentionally. Because they reject it. They want to find love from a man through a child. So Leah, this is what she began to do. It said in verse 31, and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bared a son. She called his name Reuben. For she said, surely the Lord have looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Do y'all see that? She was pregnant. She conceived. His name was Reuben. She said, now the Lord has looked upon my affliction. That means rejection want to be seen. And now my husband will love me. I'm having a child by him. So he's going to love me. Come on, women. Don't do that. Don't get pregnant just to get love from a man. You don't do that. That's rejection. This is why you see so many baby, bo- baby boomers in the world. Because you got women trying to get attention from that man so they want to have a child. But by, while that child is in your womb, let me tell you what happens. That child feels that rejection. Reuben felt that rejection because he was in her womb. Because this is what she was doing to get love from her husband. Okay, evidently he didn't see her, right? Next thing she said. And then it said, and she conceived again and bared a son and said, because the Lord have heard that I was hated. He have therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. So she wanted him to see her and she wanted him to hear her. Rejection want to be heard, y'all. So she named another son, what? Simeon. Because she said, I want him to hear me. So evidently he wasn't seeing her. He wasn't hearing her. But this is what she wanted. So then she conceived and had another son. She said, I want my husband to be attached to me. And she named him Levi. So they go, see me, hear me, be attached to me. That's what rejection want. Rejection want to be heard. It want to be seen. And it want to be attached to women and men. When women lay there, they're saying, I want you to see me. I want you to hear me. I want you to be attached to me. So I'm going to give you these babies. And through these babies, I can receive your love. You can love on me. You can talk to me. I can be heard. I can be attached to. Rejection is nothing to play with. People use things, and it does not have to be children to get that love. Some women spread their body all over the place because they want to be loved. They go from different men, and some of them go to women. Some women have dropped men and said, I have found more love in a woman than a man would give me. And that's why they turned lesbian. Come on, it's still rejection. I'm going to make it plain in the church. 
You wonder why some women are lesbians? Because they can't find comfort in that man because some of them been raped by men. So they're saying a man has raped me, so I'm going to find comfort in a woman. And Satan always have another woman who's been hurt, who's been rejected, that picked that other woman up and loved that woman in a way a man never loved her. Rejection. And we're wondering what's going on in the church. It's in the church. Church people want to say, see me, hear me, and be attached to me. And some of them do that by singing better, feeding the pastor better, showing up on time, doing things to be attached to. Want people to see them. So I want to go back to, remember I told you that I felt as if Leah already had that rejection before she was rejected. Some people, when we say, see me, We dress to impress. That's rejection. If you're dressing to get somebody to say, oh, you look good. Now, I know you're wearing that. I couldn't wear that like you can. You feel so good because somebody's telling you how good you look. And you're basing that upon how you look. But if somebody don't come to you one Sunday and say, I like that, you feel down. You feel like something is missing, something is off. That's a form of rejection. Because if they always have come to you about how good you look and they miss you one Sunday and now you're mad. Didn't even speak to me today. Did my clothes look all right? It's rejection. Nobody didn't tell you how nice you look. You shouldn't be looking to get accolades from people. That's how I know where people are in the body of Christ. When nobody don't speak to you. When nobody don't call you. Then you feel rejected. Then you feel left out. Or if somebody is sitting with the pastor and you're not sitting there, come on in, take a seat. But you're mad because they ain't asked me to sit at that table. Look at that. They're always at that table because they always choose to sit at that table. Look at your neighbor and say, rejection is bad in the body of Christ. Don't let the pastor ask somebody to sweep the kitchen and didn't ask you. Why they got to sweep the kitchen? Why ain't she asking me to sweep the kitchen? I was standing right there. I would have sweep the kitchen. Well, why didn't you sweep the kitchen before anybody swept the kitchen? Rejection in the body of Christ. We got to recognize what's among us so we know how to deal with it. If you don't recognize it, you can't deal with it. If you don't know the symptoms behind it, you cannot deal with it. So Leah based her children on how she was feeling. She was feeling rejected, y'all. And I believe as many of us in this room today, we're feeling rejected in some area or another through our husbands, through our wives. We just want our wives to say sometime, oh, that looked nice on you. But yet and still, they won't say anything. So you feel rejected. Then another woman walk up on you and say, oh, you look good. And all of a sudden, you get so bubbly. And then and, and you just keep that feeling with you because you feel like you're being accepted by somebody else. So you'll go in the same place again and dress a little bit better to walk by that woman in that store for her to tell you how good you look. The next thing you know, you lay in with that woman. Rejection. Oh, I'm going to lay it down. Women too. 
Women don't get it from their husbands at home the way they need to get it. So they go somewhere else and the men are just like dogs panting with the tongue out. And they telling you how good you look. You married, you got a husband, and you can't even say you got a husband. Because you ain't never got that much attention from your husband. Come on, can I get that number? Can I get that number? And then you're like, I, I, I was married. Lowly. I, I, I was married. The next thing you know, you're going back to that same place, hoping you see somebody else. And then those feelings begin to build up. And then you're sleeping around on your husband. And then you're trying to hide it. And then you're being nicer than ever to your husband. He still ain't complimenting you. But now you're cooking and you're cleaning. And your husband's like, what's wrong, baby? She's getting it from somewhere else and she's fooling you. Oh, sorry. Some of you still do your mess and don't cook, don't clean. Just tell them you ain't doing nothing. You just here, baby, to pay my bills. That's all. Just get it right. Oh, y'all, it's coming out. It is coming out. I warn y'all. I warn y'all. I warn you. I warn you. When you don't face up to your mess, it hits you right in the face. See, you get warning after warning after warning. You cannot hide an affair, people. You cannot hide an affair, people. Because it will pop up on you. It will show up at your front door looking like the daddy. <laughs> and you take a double take. Is my daddy up in here? Who daddy? You know who they look like because the mama waiting in the car and sent proof. She didn't have to come because there it is. And the daddy looking for an escape. Tell them I ain't in here. Your saved, sanctified self. See, you try to cover up your mess. Like, you've been getting them calls. Who's that calling your phone? You know them wrong numbers. They always calling here wrong numbers. <laughs> Y'all better begin to be a private eye. Y'all know you can go to Verizon and pull up them numbers and check them out. Mm-hmm. See, your sin will find you out. Oh, I'm, I'm going deep now because some of y'all don't lay with a male or a female, but you have the thoughts in your head and you see yourself laying with them. You got a problem with perversion. You wearing perversion. I ain't sleeping around on my husband. I ain't sleeping around on my, you doing it in your mind. Done called her Lucy. Come on, it's deep in the body of Christ. This is why God said we got to take off these grave clothes, y'all. This is for real. You cannot hide behind these things. You have to deal with these things. You have to confess these things openly, not in front of me, not in front of the church, but say, God, I have a problem in my life. God, since I got this teaching, I have rejection in my life. I can't stand for somebody to get more attention than me. It's always a competition. And I'm going right back to Leah and Rachel. Leah had those, those three boys. Or she had four boys. But finally, she got to Judah. Ooh, Judah's special. She said, now I will praise the Lord. Do you know Jesus come through Judah? Come on, y'all got to go through the Bible. That's why she was praising because Jesus was coming, the Messiah. She said, I can praise God because everything that was messed up, it's getting.
some stuff out of you. God will use stuff to show you you. That's our father. He will show you areas in your life. He will put it in front of you not to tempt you. God don't tempt you with evil. But he'll let a light shine on something to show you that's you. So Rachel became very envious of her sister, meaning that she wanted what she had. So what she did, she come at that husband. She got mad at that husband because she wasn't having children. And this is what Jacob told her in chapter 30. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in God's stead who have withheld from thee the fruit of the womb? And this is what she did. She took her uh, maidservant and she let the maidservant sleep with her husband to have children. She wanted to keep up with her sister. Come on, y'all, look what happens. So she had an issue. Did she not have an issue too? What am I saying? All of us got on grave clothes. They go envy. The body of Christ, some of us are so envious over other people, we try to do more than that person do with competition in the body of Christ. We got on grave clothes of competition. They ain't going to come in here and out saying, me, I'm going to show you something. But then this is what she did. She had um, children by the maidservant, by the maid servant. And then guess what? It was on and popping. Because then Leah began to use her maid servant. Look at the competition. That man probably was wore out. But he didn't care. He had a variety. And they gave him permission. God built them men like that, women. Keep on going and keep on ticking. Take the licking until something else pop up. These diseases all over the land. Anyhow, we see what was happening in the word of God. Y'all got to follow the word and see how things are playing out. So they end up being rivalries. They end up being enemies. Y'all, I'm going somewhere. Dealing with these children. These children in the womb were going through something. They had different nations there, y'all. Look at what was happening with these nations. These different maidservants was having children by Jacob. Then you had Leah and Rachel having children. So the whole moral of this that we have to look at, when we go back to Reuben, look what happened to Reuben. Y'all remember Joseph came through um, Rachel. And when Joseph came through Rachel, they were envious over Joseph. But Reuben tried to save Joseph, did he not? But look what happened. Reuben ended up sleeping with Jacob's um, other wife, other concubine. So he ended up having an affair with his mother, incest. Y'all follow the Bible. I ain't moved too far, but right here. That's why don't be rushing through the word of God. Hear what God have to say to you through the word and then check yourself. 
check your bloodline, check your family and see what's going on. Because I'm going to tell you something. God ain't going to let nothing be hidden from you. Even if your mom and daddy don't tell you when the appropriate time, when you mature in Christ and you having a relationship with him, God will begin to reveal and say, your father is not your father. He will tell you stuff when you're in relation. And then your mama, what, what, what you say? That's your daddy. He raised you all your life. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. My God don't lie. Who, who my daddy? Well, baby, to be honest, I don't know. And you're wondering why you can look in a generation when the mother scattered all over the place and the father. Can't you see the children going in the same pattern? All over the place, doing what the mama did, doing what the daddy did. And then you wondering what's happening. We're in a fallen world. And if we as saints of God don't teach truth and tell them what's happening, you're going to keep having these patterns. I am tired of people being ignorant when it comes to truth. You're living like you're ignorant, but some of you are not ignorant. God ain't winking at you no more. You're getting the truth, but you're refusing it. Because you loving the world more than you loving God. And God said, when you love the world more than you love me, come on, y'all. The love of the Father ain't in you. Because when you're going more after the things of the world than you going after what the word of God is saying, you have more of the love of the world than you do God. Because when you love God, you're willing to take off these clothes and say, this is not who I am. And I guarantee you can take them off by scripping yourself through this word. Because the more you get in this word and the more you know who you are, those clothes begin to fall off and you can begin to say, I'm free. I'm truly free. Did y'all not know that in the Bible, the woman that had the issue of blood, why did it get to the part when he said she was whole? God want us whole, spirit, soul, and body. We are a three-part being. He just don't want your spirit to be free of everything. He want every part of you to be free. God want us free. And the only way that we can be free is knowing who we are now that we're in Christ. Because when you do something outside of the word of God, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of righteousness. He's going to convict you of who you are now that you're in Christ. Holy Spirit, he don't bring shame. He don't bring guilt. He don't bring condemnation. If you're feeling shame, guilt, and condemnation, you are out of the will of God. The enemy has something on you. So you got to ask the Lord, what is it that I'm being held in bondage to? I'm feeling too guilty. I have a shame in my life. Where is this shame coming from? What is the root of this shame? And this shame will have you depressed. Because every time you turn around, you're thinking about it. Now, I'll say this. I got to go back to this adultery thing. Men and women, if you feel in shame and you're in an affair, that tells you that's not God. If every time you look at your wife, you feel in shame, you feel in guilty, and you know you're lying, and you saved, how can you look at somebody you love in the face and knowing you're doing something and it's not right and then look at them, I love you, baby. See, if that woman is truly in the Lord, this is how I know some people miss it. A man don't have to tell you nothing. A woman don't have to tell you nothing. The Holy Spirit 
will tell you something. Why? Because God ain't going to let that man or that woman lay with you in filth. Because when you lay with somebody that's in that, you become attached to that person. That becomes your idol. Oh, y'all better get in the word. Y'all better, because you entering into that person, you making soul ties. And when you lay with that person and lay with your wife, your wife is feeling what you done done. But God will put a don't touch this sign on that wife. And on that man, and you wonder, my wife won't let me be intimate with her no more. And that wife look at you and say, I done saw you in two affairs. God done told me what you done. Then you look at him and still lie. Oh, I'm going to get deep, y'all. These teachings going to bring out some stuff. And if your house ain't right, you better get into this word, and you better seek the Lord while he can be found, because stuff getting ready to pop up. And you're going to know where you are in God, your saved, sanctified self, saying how much time you're spending with God, but you're still lying. You still won't face the fact of what you've done and what you said, and you're in here trying to tell somebody what not to do, and you know you can't even lay down because your word. You don't know what's going to happen. If you've grown enough to lay in it, be grown enough and man enough to face truth. Don't lie. The enemy is a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning. You're showing attributes of Satan. God ain't no liar because the word of God said, God is not man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Have he not said it? Shall he not do it? Have he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? God don't lie, and any saint that's serving him shouldn't lie. When somebody asks you something, my daddy would always say this. If you ask me and I done it, I'm going to say I done it. What's the point of lying and say, yeah, I said it. Face up to what you did. Why are you trying to sweep it under the rug? Because you don't want to be found out. Love always come home. Love always do what the word of God says. And God's word is not grievous, y'all. Y'all, the church is full of lies. Trying to cover stuff up. We have to be truthful one to another. If I say I love my brothers and my sisters, I give them truth. I don't give them a lie. And I don't hide behind a mask just to look good in the body of Christ. Just to make people think I'm something that I don't even believe I am. Come on, y'all. All this is truth, and it's time for us to be totally free. Why did God want you totally free? I'm going to tell you why. Go with me to Luke 4. But before I go to Luke 4, let's go somewhere. Let's go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28 says this in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always. Why did Jesus want us totally free? Because he wants us to do the Great Commission. 
He wants us to do like he did, heal, deliver, and set the captives free. He wants us to go out and heal the brokenhearted, those that are bruised, those that are down, those that are depressed. God wants us to revive them through the word. But if you cannot let go of you, you can't help nobody else because you cannot walk in the fullness of God. God don't want nothing hindering you. From doing what he has called you to do. Y'all go back through the word. When those followers of Jesus Christ, those learners, they were disciples. Jesus taught them through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He taught them about divorce. He taught them about adultery. He told them all of this stuff so they can get rid of this stuff. He said, if you're going to follow me, he said, you got to do like I do. You got to walk the walk like I walk. Everything is read in the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling you how to treat people. He's telling you how to love people. He's telling you about marriage. Everything is already there. Why? He said, because when I send you out, the enemy won't have nothing on you. Oh, y'all ain't getting it. Come on, you won't be scared to mess with somebody in adultery because you know you ain't in it. You won't be scared to mess with somebody that lie all the time because you know he delivered you. Come on, ain't no perfect person in here except in your spirit. All of us fall down at times. But the problem is we get back up. And we get back up through the word of God. The word is what keep us. The word is what helps us. You can't keep dibbling in the same thing, dibbling and dabbling and think everything is all right. You can't mess with women's hearts and think that you ain't going to get shot. Some women will kill you. I'm going to tell you, God is so good, y'all. And I'm going to close on this because we got a long road to travel. He showed me this movie. Y'all, I was up at 3 o'clock this morning. I couldn't close my eyes, but let me tell you why he had to show me this movie, because it was part of what I'm teaching. He showed me this woman that had a good job. She loved her job. She was making good money, but she couldn't find a man. Couldn't find a man to meet her standards, her way of living. So her friend and her agreed. They went to these top colleges. They agreed that they were not going to get a man that made less than what they made. He had to come up to where they were. That was their agreement, so they would meet each other, and they tried different men, but it never worked out. So finally, the lady said, I'm just going to focus on my career, da-da-da-da-da. But the um, boss that she had, it was, he was just like a father to her. So they would have meetings every Monday morning to encourage her and say, what's your goals this week? And he would encourage her with her goals and everything. And after he would encourage her, he noticed she didn't have Um, no one in her life and he'd been married for 11 years so he told her he said I'm gonna start a new campaign and I want you to be over the campaign and I believe you're going to get promoted and he said I want you to tell me how we can launch this campaign so she told him how she could launch the campaign but when she went back to talk to him it was another young girl in the office here go rejection another young girl in the office and all of a sudden she said he said I want to introduce you to so-and-so she went to the same college you went to and her eyes bucked why did her eyes buck? Because she's thinking she all of this in a bag of chips. She's thinking nobody can beat where she's been. But they went to the same college. So all of a sudden, she got real quiet and start answering in a hateful way. Come on, won't rejection stir his head. Start answering in a hateful way. And all of a sudden, he said, I'm bringing her in 
to help you with the campaign as your assistant. She politely rolled over there to his desk and said, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. I won't be late again. I won't be late again. If you don't fire me, if all of this come up out of her all of a sudden. And she said, well, I thought I was doing a good job. Rejection. He said, I'm not firing you. It's so big. I'm getting you some help. So she agreed with that, right? So it, make long story short, they had to invite people in that had a lot of money to be a part of their company. They invited them to a party and everything. They sent invitations out. But then this one guy had come up to the party. He had on a shirt and a pair of jeans. So he called her out by name. She said, how do you know my name? He said, because I got invited to this party. She said, I didn't invite you. You must be in the mail room. He said, excuse me? She said, you must be a part of the mail room. So she would not give him a time of day. He said, okay, so just because I don't have on a suit, you assuming I work in the mail room. She said, yes, because I know I ain't sent you no invitation to this. You got to be so-and-so and so-and-so to be a part of this. She left him alone. The two that she did invite, they had money. So this woman began to date them per her friend. You need to check these two out. She began to date them. Long story short, she ended up sleeping with one of them, okay? She thought the man loved her. While she was in the bed, the man left his phone. She looked at the phone, and the, and the woman said, where were you at last night? So she asked him. She said, oh, somebody text your phone. You know what this dude said? Oh, that's, that's one of my clients. I didn't show up for that meeting last night. She said, okay, go ahead and call him. He put the phone in his pocket. He said, I'll call him when I get in the car. Left her right there in the bed. So then they had another meeting, and he had to show up to meet her because she was, he was one of the clients. She waited, she waited, and finally he showed up. When he showed up, she was just sitting there talking to him, and he's talking about, let me get you some wine. She said, I don't drink. He said, well, come on and drink with me. It's very expensive. So they set the cup there, and she falling again for the man. But guess what, y'all? The wife pops up right at the table, and he's trying to tell her that's a client that I'm dealing with. And the woman said, client. And then the woman said, well, let me introduce myself. I'm his wife of 17 years. And she said, wife, you didn't tell me you had a wife. She said, listen here. And he didn't tell you he got more women than me, did he? Than you. And he, and he looked at her and told my baby, 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 this woman, she come on to me. She told me all this and she told me all that. But guess what? She said, hush, hush. She pulled out a folder, showed him pictures and said, come here. Had the detective to come over here and say, you remember him? The man was following him around, taking pictures. And, and then the man say, oh, yeah, you saw me in these different places with you and these different women. Let me tell you what happened to this man. He said, but they ain't all. Brought the FBI in. This man was doing stuff under the table with six bodies in his company that people was killed and buried under the ground of his company. So he had to go to jail. So she was beat up over that. But guess what? That didn't stop her. She had another man that she was seeing that had a lot of money. So she told her secretary, I'm going to go meet this man. She got to the car. The secretary said, you need to come back. She come back. He on the news. They done locked him up. So she said, y'all, this is what I'm saying. This girl full of rejection, trying to look for a man, right? So she sat at a desk, couldn't do nothing. Now, she was jealous over her parents because every time she came to her parents' house, they were so lovey-dovey and they were always in the bedroom. She said, every time I come over here, y'all don't sit down with me. So she was jealous over their relationship. They had so much love. So how did she have rejection? So this girl went back to her office, stayed all night trying to catch up her work. 
Her boss came in and told her, he said, you need to take some time off. And he said, you need to get yourself together. You don't have a life of your own. You always looking at work and you base your uh, stuff on your work. So he said, but I'm going to give you this book and I want you to read this book. And I believe this book is going to help you. She took the book, y'all. She began to read the book. And in this book, it was letting her know, you looking for a man the wrong way. You should look spiritually. So this woman began to get into the book, had another luncheon with her friend. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you to the best restaurant. Her boss said, I'm going to send you to the best restaurant, and I'm going to pay for it. And you just go there and enjoy yourself. And go ahead and take your friend, the friend that keyed up my car because I wouldn't give her a job. Anyway, she took the friend to the restaurant. Mind you not, the friend was a drunk, you might as well say, but didn't recognize she was a drunk. Got to the restaurant, and the guy that was in the jeans, remember the guy I told y'all about? He was picking up stuff off the floor, and her friend said, hide, hide your face. They go to one that try to talk to you. He's a bus boy. You don't want him coming over here. He came over. He sat down, and he began to talk to her. She was talking to him, and the friend was like, ah. And then she said, what would you like to drink? And the man left. He said, what would you like to drink? The waiter come over, and she told him what she would like to drink. He said, oh, we don't sell that up in here. The friend got up and left. And the other woman said, oh, she'll be back. She'll be back. She never came back. Long story short, she went back to work after she had the weekend, after she had a nice meal. And she went in the office. The same guy that had on the jeans and the shirt was sitting at the conference table. She said, what are you doing in here? And you in a suit. My boss is going to be mad. You should not have come up in here trying to protect. You need to take off that suit. He said, okay, I'll take it off. You're trying to do something to me. She said, no, put it back on, put it back on. So he said, no, I was just playing with you. I was just playing with you. Her boss come in the office, y'all. Guess what happened? He shook his hand. He said, thank you for the $10 million account. She looked at him and said, where you get $10 million from? Where did you get $10 million from? He said, huh? He said, because I have my own. And the boss said, wait a minute. He said, you remember I walked in your office and I gave you this Forbes magazine and I told you to read it? She said, yeah. He said, he's in it. He said, do you remember I gave you the book to read? She said, yeah. He said, he wrote it. He said, you remember that big fancy restaurant I sent you to to eat at? Say, he own it. Her eyes bucked. So he, she looked at him and said, why didn't you tell me all of this? He said, because you were looking at material. He said, let me tell you something. He said, material don't get you success. He said, spiritual is what gets you success. Say, you were looking in the wrong places. You should have been looking at spiritual. He said, I never look at material. He said, material will fail you. But if you don't look at what you have, and you just go after what you're supposed to go after, you will always make it. This dude was rich. And that's who she ended up. What am I saying? Do y'all see rejection? Do y'all see how her life was getting lined up, but she was missing it because she was after something that wasn't her? So what am I telling you? When you know who you are, now that you're in Christ, You ain't going to be looking to other things. You are not even going to look to your mate no more. Because you know your mate can fail you. Y'all, this is real life. We look to male, we look to female, but when you look to Jesus, who's the author and finisher of your faith, if your your husband hurts you, 
your wife hurt you, you know he'll never leave you, nor shall he forsake you. If they reject you and make you feel unneeded and unwanted, he always say you accepted in the beloved. You've been adopted. You've been chosen by me. When your mother and father throw you to the side, he said, I will pick you up. So what am I saying to you today? Get over you. And the only way you can get over you is in knowing who he is. When you know who he is and develop an intimate relationship with him, it don't matter what people say. It don't matter what people do. It don't even matter if they never come see you. You have that peace from within that gives you the comfort. And you don't worry about nobody because you know you always have him. The only way you can get over rejection is knowing the love of God. When you know his love, There is nothing that can hold you because you know you have the love of the father. Y'all, we have people that is in their 90s and still feeling rejected, still still trying to feel needed. And how do do you know this? Because some people are so stubborn, so set in their ways. You can't tell them nothing. When you tell them it ain't right, they say it is. When you're saying it is right, they say it ain't. And they say, folks, and been in the church for years and won't come down. See, it's things that's attached to them. One of them attachments is pride. See, the thing that I want y'all to know, people look at, when I first started out preaching, they say I was too young. A woman don't need to preach. I don't know nothing. But I got wisdom from above that precede natural wisdom, that go far above natural wisdom. I have revelation knowledge that don't come from man. It comes from God. Jesus was a 12-year-old. He went in the temple. He was learning from them, but he was way beyond their years. He was full of wisdom and stature from God. And when he was ready, God filled him with the power of the Holy Ghost. And he went out healing and delivering and setting the captive free. Don't tell me God can't use any anybody we always look at somebody age but God can mature you yes people can give you wisdom in a relationship with what they went through but God will give you some wisdom to let you know you didn't have to go through that so don't say sometimes people don't know because they ain't been through it some things you don't have to go through to know because God will reveal it through the Holy Ghost the only thing is, when you walk in somebody else's shoes, you can have some compassion. But guess what? Jesus went through so much while he was on earth, but he had the love of God in him so he can feel what they were going through. That's why we have his compassion. I may not know what's going on in none of y'all houses, but if I spend time with God, he can put me, put y'all on my heart and say, I want you to begin to pray for them in this way. I want you to begin to send a word to their house in this way. I want you to begin to show them my kind of love. And all of a sudden, they say, you must have been in my house. No, God been in your house. He just told me how to react for your house. See, y'all missed the whole thing. Quit telling people when they're in Christ, they know if they're in Christ. Because he's going to let them know your business because he can trust you with their business. Because you ain't telling their business. He know when you're messing up. He'll tell you, come out of that hotel with that woman. You got a wife at home. Tell you what they were driving, how much money they spent. He got to tell you all that so you'll know it was God. Did you follow me? No, you took the Holy Ghost with you. 
And he just told what you were doing, what you were wearing. Ain't God good. God will let you know what need to be made known. And he ain't trusting a lot of people with it because we got tattletales in the body of Christ. You got to know who to tell. God will send you to the right one or send them to you. You don't have to pick up the phone and tell Facebook. You only have to pick up a phone for Facebook. You just need a connection to Facebook. God knows everything, y'all. So I'm telling you, warning, everything that's in darkness is coming to light. Because God give you opportunity after opportunity to let go. Because God wants you to be free. Amen. For whom the Son sets free is free indeed to know the truth, to know it. You can have truth, but if you don't know it and have revelation on it, it ain't doing nothing for you. So you got to know the truth. To know the truth is what makes you free. Amen. So, Father God, we thank you and we praise you on today. We lift you up. We glorify you, God, for the word that we have received, the mantle that we have received from heaven. And we thank you that every heart was open and receptive, God, to receive it, God, on today in Jesus' name. And, Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, I have come to root up rejection in this place in Jesus name I take authority over rejection in the name of Jesus and I command it to go in Jesus name I root up that stronghold with every lying symptom that's coming from rejection I tell you to go right now in the name of Jesus and I lose the love of God in this place in Jesus name amen and amen come on and give God a hand clap of praise isn't he good y'all amen do we have any visitors today that would like to stand and then we'll go on with our announcements and then we'll go into our tithes